how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. good. Your 11th studio album, Circle of Stone, is due to come out tomorrow. How do you feel about that? Very excited. Well, it's a mixture, Lindsay, of anxiety and excitement in equal measure, really. So far, we've had three singles and they've been very well received by my fans. This album sounds different to the last album. It started more with, with more guitar based, more metal kind of riff based. A lot of the songs started in that way, whereas on previous albums, we've started with the idea of the song, a bit of melody, some lyrics, and fitted, found the guitars to, to go with it and the music. This one, we started with a lot of riffs and guitar parts, and that gave it a different kind of feel and edge. Still, our vibe is it has to have strong melodies on that guitar. We love electric guitar. We love big guitar melodies. We love instrumental sections, but it has to say something. It has to mean something. And the lyric on this album, I really tried to keep the lyrics simple compared to my trilogy and some of the more intricate things that I did on War Within Me. On this album, I wanted to have simple lyrics. And the main thing being that if English isn't your first language, by the melody and the music, you really feel that you know what the song is about before yeah. you understand the lyric. So we really wanted that. And I think we've managed to do that. But the the lyric, it has to be, there has to be some truth in it. There has to be some bridge between me and the character. I'm expecting you to believe that lyric is how they feel and what they're saying. So there has to be something relatable from me to say this is what you should believe. So in, in Tears in Rain, then Roy is the character from the old movie Blade Runner. And all of us that are nerdy sci-fi geeks Love the original Blade Runner movie. Yeah. And we all know the phrase, and those moments will be lost, just like tears in rain. And the, they're, they're around, all of us, they're around, they, you know, they're there, and we've all used them. And um, and then I, I think, you know, that'd be great in a song if there was, and then Chris comes up with a bit of music and a, a bit of a groove, and I'm thinking, I think, just like tears, wow. And I had that great, then I had to find all the rest of the lyrics. And from the artist, Aki Rant, who does all my art for the last few albums and everything, I, I was telling him about the songs, I sent him the demos, and um, he said, uh, oh, uh, Rutger Hur wrote those lines himself. I said, what? And he goes, oh yeah. And I put it into uh, Wikipedia and, uh, IMDB, and bloody hell, yes, Rutger Hur had all the lines and everything, and then said, this isn't good enough, went away, and then came back with the whole soliloquy that he'd done himself, 
And that's yeah. why it's so convincing. You wouldn't know that. And it's so convincing and captivating that Roy, his last few moments, he's becoming human because yeah. he, he saves Decker and then his spirit symbolically fly. Oh man, it's so beautiful. So to, to be able to use that and uh, in the smallest, smallest way to give tribute to the late Rutger and to that movie, then, then it was a great vibe to be able to do that. And there's still that element of you, you're looking for something. So that's what we tried to do. And the, the songs on side one of the album that where, where we have Mind Reader and Tears in Rain and Rage, those are all, they're not connected, but they have the vibe of there's some feeling, something deeper to think about. And then on side two, it's the call of the ancestors starts. It starts with this sound of the past and the present, calling from a dream to, the, to what is now. And that's the story of the circle of stone and um we never planned it i just had a house you know i was struggling for a lyric and there's a couple of techniques that i use when i've got nothing when it's a blank page and a blank mind there's a couple of little techniques i do and i started doing this thing and it came up and that's what i had um i circles of stone and the high mountain peaks i wander this great land and i thought well what what is that yeah and then i said to chris appleton i said chris i want uh because what i was uh is just that i go yeah i want uh he goes what do you i go this uh and he goes okay the circles of stone and the high mountain peaks as I wander this great land. Uh, I'm so like, yeah. what? Where that? Where did that go? So, so it was some little bit of magic, but he was in disbelief. And that was one of the first things that we did. And he's going, I don't know. He said, you've asked me to do some difficult things, some challenging things, but for you to sit there and the first thing you say is, I want, uh, <laughs> it was, it was just but I don't know. It set the tone, and then we have a big whiteboard, and we write the titles on as we're working on them. Oh, this is probably for the album. That's a possibility, and all of that. And then you start looking at it and going, "Well, hang on. Circle of Stone is on side two, and Path of the Righteous Man is on side two then that means that's part of the story because it is the righteous man that's searching for the circle of stone, the one that will give the energy and take you to the dream world. And that was it. It started to, to, to come together. Yeah, I mean, what I really liked about Call of the Ancestors was how the bagpipes and the guitars call to each other and then come together in the middle as one. And it, it really created a really atmospheric kind of vibe for that second conceptual part um but the first part of the album um i felt that that was a very emotive 
kind of section of the album. Was that quite a personal thing for you? Yeah, I t I'm just not worried about being cool at all. Fair enough. I, I <laughs> just don't to be. really care. <laughs> I absolutely don't care about being cool. I'm not frightened of being cheesy or anything like that. Uh, I just, you know what? I literally, I pour my heart out. I'm honest about my feelings, about my mental health struggles, about the things I've been through. You can, if if you know a little bit, you can look through my lyrics. And even though I've written it from the point of a character, you know how it relates to me. More of my fans know that. So I'm just, I know, I don't care. I don't care what I don't care what anybody thinks. My fans stand by me. It's for them, not the bullies and the blooming keyboard warriors on Facebook. No, so that's it. It is about there. There is a relationship there between me and those songs and those lyrics. And some of them, Lindsay, are. It, it's like uh, trying to tell myself and force myself into a situation. Say these words. Say these words. Say these words. This is what you should be saying to yourself. This is what it should be. You should be saying to yourself, no, no matter, you and I love music. That's why we're doing it. We love music. We live for music. And those people that can't understand that judge us and say, you're crazy. You're crazy. You don't want a big flash car or a castle. Go, no, I want to live in a band and listen yeah. to music and go to gigs. Uh, and they judge us. They don't even know our name. They judge us. And if they could read our mind, they would find that what that inside, yeah, we'll have a go. We're ready to have a go. And we won't admit defeat. And we'll keep going. And it doesn't matter how much it rains or how deep the mud is, we will stand and watch our favourite band. Yeah. That's it. They will never understand that, those people. So that's where... It comes from, I am, I'm still in love with electric guitar the same way that I fell in love with electric guitar when I first heard it when I was 14 and I first heard my first heavy metal albums. It still grips me the same way. I, I can't change that part of me that's been captured like, uh, like an ant in amber or, you know, something like that. Yeah. I, can't, I can't change that. Uh, however old and creaky and as much like a dinosaur that I look now, I still can't change the fact of how I fell in love with heavy metal and rock music. And at certain times I go, yeah. Yeah. But that's what's on my album. It's full of that falling in love again. So Mind Reader starts and it starts with a lovely big riff and some, da -da 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 -da, and some great guitar and and then it, it's something that talks to you it, if they knock me down ah don't worry man i'm getting back up because they can't tell they can say that i won't get back but they don't know me they don't know you and me and what we're like uh, and that's it's filled with that on the first side and then when you get to broken man then you would think i'd written that after a heart attack but no it was just a little bit of music and some lyrics I had hanging around that it's important, I feel. I've changed over the last few years, especially since I stopped drinking. There's a big change for me. 
My values are different now to they were in my 30s. And uh, I go, you know what? Yeah, I am grateful. I do live my dream. When I saw Ronnie James Dio on the Holy Diver Tour in Birmingham Odeon, later that night, I knew that I wanted to be a singer and I wanted to be a metal, a rock singer and tour the world. I never dreamed about a, having a castle or being a millionaire or anything like that. I just, I wanted to be a, I'm living that dream. And also I'm a record producer of myself with Chris Appleton. We produce our own albums. I own the record company. It's tiny, it's just me on it, but I, I have complete artistic freedom. And the people that I make my records for, my fans, they stand by me every time and allow me to have the freedom to go, right, I can't tell you what I'm going to do, but I'm going to tell you. It's honest and it's 100% what I believe I should be doing right now. I hope you will enjoy it. I really do, but I have to do this. And that's how we are. And that's, that's what side one is. So you get to Broken Man and... It, that's it. It. How does that lyric come before a heart attack when you are broken, literally broken in two by the surgeons as they rip out your heart and put it back together to make it so you can carry on living? It, it's unreal. But but that's that's where it is, those two halves. And in some way, I don't know how, Lindsay, in some way they fit together. It was just a natural thing. Yeah, something, just something about it. it wasn't easy. We we struggled. We had bits that were going, oh, yeah, this here is going to fit. That, no, that doesn't fit quite. We had, we had some great bits that didn't fit together or we couldn't get them in the right order. Oh, man, it, it was a lot. When we did Rage, it, it was a miles away from how it ended up and the key bit of the song the quiet bit at the beginning the haunting of you sleepless at night wrapped with guilt about the terrible thing that you have done at the end of the session we had nothing for that and chris appleton was here and luke was here too i'll oh, just do something i said what okay anything just so yeah. we've got something on that bit, just something nice to listen to over the weekend. We'll do the final vocal next time. I go, okay, uh, all right. And I just sang what came into my head. Yeah. And then the next week, you listen back, you go, well, we can't do it better than that. Yeah. Something happened in that in those 10 minutes that we had left. I just quickly scratching around some kind of spiritual thing i know it sounds crazy spiritual thing happened and there's a connection there and that is the heart of the song right there that makes everything make sense so it, it, it's it's crazy the way it's it's come together but all of it felt like something yeah so speaking of your heart attack how have you been recovering and has it altered your voice in any way i'm very lucky lindsay oh man that the, um, the anaesthetist came in and I said, will the anaesthetic go past the larynx? And he said, yes. 
And I said, well, here's the problem. This is what I do, and I'm worried. And he goes, well, I'll use the smallest pipe that I possibly can to, to go down to apply the anaesthetic. And he said, this is not the most complicated surgery we do. We do much more complicated than this. Yeah. And that made me feel a lot better. So there, there I am. I'm in waking up in the high dependency. And I'm going, your heart will... And my voice is there. <laughs> it's right there. And the nurse, the man that's looking at me, and the lady in the next bed is looking at me in intensive care, going, what's happening with this guy? He's just coming out of my heart and he's singing. That, and, and the nurse looks at me and goes, he goes, you'll be off this ward today. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't Excellent. walk. I could, I could hardly breathe. I could hardly walk. But I could still sing. That's the important thing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I managed to have gentle... I couldn't work for six months. And it's a lot to come back for heart... Open heart surgery is just the biggest one because you have to breathe. Yeah. So you have to be so careful that you don't disrupt their healing because you're in real trouble. So my fiance Kate, did everything for me. We were very, very careful for those eight weeks to get to make sure that we had the best chance of healing. And we were, and then I could start singing properly again and all of that. And then it was really... The anxiety over that first concert, it was one of our favourite intimate venues. And um, at the end of the gig, I'm like, okay, oh, I'm not having a heart attack. Okay. And I just, for about 30 minutes, I'm like there. Okay, no, I'm all right. And then we had about five days off to the next gig. And that one was a bit better. And by the fifth gig, I'm back. Yeah. I, I'm not as strong, physically strong, but my voice is strong. I can breathe good. And, and it, it felt good. And I had more control over my voice and more breath. So I must have been ill for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I, I think all the way through COVID, I think I was gradually going down and that was coming. That heart disease was, was starting to, yeah. to get the best of me. Yeah, I mean, you seem to have a really loyal fan base as well, because when the news broke that you'd had the heart attack, your fans just seemed to swarm around you with support. I'm very, very lucky that what happened was all my fans bought the T-shirt that they would have bought on the tour, even though the tour was cancelled. Wow. And so the shop... My online store went crazy at blazebailey.net and that's how I made it through the six months with no work. We just by the kindness and generosity of my fans supporting me, buying stuff they probably didn't need, most of them, and second and third copies and all of that. So it's incredible. And the, the messages of support and cards and letters that people wrote, it was just incredible and very very humbling to be in a hospital and then come out of hospital and, and people sending messages saying how much the music means to them and my lyrics and everything like this it, it was incredible 
really an incredible feeling and very, very humbling. And I certainly, I felt before that for some people, it's important that I've got, I've got to carry on for them, for some of my fans, that it's, it's important to them. And certainly after my heart attack, I thought I've got to carry on because, you know, for just a few people, my music, that's their favorite music. That means a lot to them. And I, I feel I've got a lot more to do as well. And when one of the doctors came around and said, you're well enough to have surgery. And we think that after the surgery, you'll recover and lead a normal life. I'm, I, my life isn't normal anyway. I don't yeah. want to live a normal life. I, I want to live standing in front of a microphone, in front of my fans, singing my lyrics to them, you know, making my songs come to life. But anyway, it happened and I'm very lucky that I'm able to be here. I was 10 minutes, the paramedic said to Kate that I was 10 minutes from dead and I wouldn't have seen this album or be talking to you about it if they hadn't got here in two minutes. So I'm very, very lucky. And now I want to bring these songs to life for my fans. Is there any particular track on the album that you're really proud of? Well, all of them really, but I suppose there's one, all of them mean something and in each one in their, in its own way is very special, but um, there's a lot. Day of Reckoning is a huge song. That track 10, that's a big, big song. Yeah. So we've, if that goes well live, I think it'll be good. So Brilliant. we'll see how it goes. If it's a disaster on the first night, we probably won't play it again. <laughs> but we'll, we'll see, see how it goes. But yeah, and and I think Mind Reader, it's very short, but it's filled with attitude. Yeah. You know, of, of I will not be defeated. It's not, I'm not saying I am unbeatable. I'm saying I can become unbeatable if we are together we can be unbeatable you're not on your own and i don't feel that i'm on my own i'm very very lucky i have a great team wonderful management and just incredible fans that make the gig happen i've always thought you know from the early wolfsbane days we had no record deal we made our own cassettes uh we got our own t-shirts done we sold them ourselves we toured in our van with no road, with no roadies or one roadie, uh, and we did that. And it was the most honest and genuine thing, because it was no hype. If people yeah. didn't like you, they didn't see you again, and they didn't buy a cassette. It was as simple as that. Yeah. And we were the biggest unsigned heavy metal band in the UK, and we could play to three hundred people, and that meant something. And I always thought. Isn't it weird? Now we're signed up, we play less gigs. That doesn't seem right somehow. It's not You'd think it would be we, the other way around. Yeah, we wanted to live on a tour bus and just, uh, you know, be gypsies and play our music all around. But yeah. no, and to get back to that, what seems like a hundred years later, to get back to that, that's where I am now. Yeah. It's, you know, my fans, 
turn up. If they don't like it, that's it. I won't see them again or they won't buy anything. But I'm very, very lucky. I have loyal support and my fans go, yeah, it's good. I get, I'm get. i going to get that and I'll get the T-shirt. I'll buy the ticket. So I'm able to live that incredible dream and hundreds, maybe thousands of people dream of being a professional musician, whether it's in an orchestra or in a band or being a professional sportsman. There's only a few of us that are lucky enough to be able to do that. And yeah. I do feel incredibly lucky and incredibly grateful to my fans that they've supported me through just some of the most difficult times. 100%. So you guys are due to go out on tour quite extensively for both the album and your 30th anniversary for Iron Maiden. How are those two things going to work together? Or is it just complete well, chaos? Well, <laughs> if you look at blazebailey.net, then you'll see that uh, this next chunk is all the Stone Tour, Circle of Stone Tour, and we're playing a lot of songs for the new album. We just came back from Spain during the 30th anniversary, some sold out shows there. Ireland during the 30th anniversary, some sold out shows there. Now we're on Circle of Stone and then we go to Sweden. They really wanted that anniversary set. So we're doing some shows there. There's a couple of festivals. They really want the anniversary set. And in between those, we're doing our Circle of Stone set. So it's not on the same night. Right. It's different chunks of the tour. And if you go to blazebailey.net, then it's explained pretty yeah. easily what's what. And in the UK, we're doing made of stone festival in maidstone and uh, we're doing our 30th anniversary set there and we don't do these old songs like the record we're not trying mm -hmm. to do them exactly like the record my style and the way that we work together with the band is we go right here's the song that's the album recorded version this is the live version yeah and we're a bit cheeky with the arrangements and a couple of things but generally speaking we don't get any complaints and i take those songs and i go well now with the voice i have and the band that i'm with yeah then we do them a, a bit different it's the live version it's yeah. our version of the clansman of sign of the cross of man on the edge of future real of fortunes of war it's our version of that and so far it seems to work pretty well it's it's like meeting old friends yeah uh that you may not have seen them for 10 years but it's like it was yesterday when you yeah. see them so that's what it's like with those songs and i love doing the set list with the 30th anniversary i just love those songs and that there are some nights you can see there are old baldy beardy guys like me and that and they haven't heard those songs maybe either since 1998 or ever because yeah. we never played comestas amigos live we never did virus live when yeah. i was with maiden 
and some people see those songs or thought they would never see them again or hear them live and it's the vibe is incredible absolutely incredible the intensity the emotion and it kind of calms and goes waves of this emotional energy go back and the the gig ends up you go wow man this is incredible what an incredible night absolutely i mean your band will spain supported iron maiden and opened up for them back in 1990 on their no prayer on the road tour did you envision that you would ever be the vocalist for iron maiden at that point no no i I just thought bruce is so good he's so good and his voice is so different but i was pretty cheeky i mean we were pretty cheeky as wolfsbane because we i mean it's, it's completely arrogant it is impossible to blow iron maiden away as a, no support band could do that in my opinion it didn't stop us trying to do yeah. that though. and and they've got the great big frames that bruce used to have then on the side of the stage really old tech but that, that he used to like and um i knew that he'd climb up these and so i would start climbing up and hanging off these things and he never got told off nobody ever said don't go on the don't go on the side frills. All that was ever said, don't touch that drum riser. Yeah. And that was it, which we never did. And I went up the side and I was standing on top of the sides, uh, uh, all of that and going where Bruce used to go. And uh, the only thing that Steve Harris said to me when we were doing that and really trying to steal the audience, he said, it's nice to have a band that pushes us. <laughs> that was it. Not yeah. don't do that. No paranoia. It's like, oh, we better get our finger out there and they're going to have a go. And that was it. And what a brilliant attitude to have. Yeah. And then I never thought for a minute I'd be in Iron Maiden. But then when I was, you see from the other side, it's you are playing in the World Cup final for England. You better win. You better yeah. win. And that's <laughs> the attitude at the top level. When you're in Iron Maiden, it's like every gig is a World Cup final. And you're trying to win, even yeah. in extra time, golden goal, penalties, whatever. You're trying to win. You're nine men down. You don't care. You're still trying. Yeah. That's it. And, and it, that I've taken that with me, and that is what we have now. And when when I'm working with Chris and the guys from Absolver, we say our worst gig has to be a good gig. Yeah best gig has to be a religious experience yeah and, and that's how we keep going and you make a fluff no leave that behind you make a mistake leave that that's not now don't let that moment spoil the rest of the gig uh, and that's how I, i've started living my life you know after after that uh, you know after maiden like no don't let that moment that was a bad moment don't let that be the next moment don't let that yeah. in fact the future keep going all right and sometimes you walk in a tightrope and you concentrate and you ah, and you, you get to the end of the oh man what a struggle the concentration to get back on track and not destroy the lyrics and all, all of that you get there and fans go wow it's the best i've seen you, you know, what? yeah like, it was absolutely it was Agony to try and keep concentrating. No, this moment, this moment, this moment, this moment. Forget that. Forget, you know, on other nights, you'll go, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, I suppose, I think anyway, and my feeling is 
music is mystical and it's magical and when you embrace that and all of us that love music understand it intrinsically i believe when you embrace that magic and that mystical side of music and you allow it to be a part of you that's when good things can happen yeah 100% so what would you say the best and the worst things are about touring uh well it's just the worst thing is home isn't so much a place yeah and i haven't thought that for a long time this is where i live and i've made my albums and everything but home isn't so much a place as it's the people that you love so not being able to take the people that i love with me on tour is very very challenging and that's challenging for everybody in a band yeah to leave if you you know if you're going to have a relationship it's very tough so it's and it's getting tougher so that is the toughest thing about being on tour that and hotels with no curtains <laughs> okay yeah. yes oh, yeah. I, I can get yeah, on board yeah. with that yeah. yeah you've been there you've been there <laughs> hotels with no curtains and you'll believe this hotels with no soap that's okay. a challenge as well um and i think really there are there are my i love to sing I love to sing. I'm not a natural singer. I've learned to sing because that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a singer. So I've learned to use my voice. I've learned my instrument. I love to sing. So singing well, songs that I wrote, and the unbelievable feeling of people singing back to you music that you wrote it, that is it's captivating and it it's very humbling i find it very very humbling and we've been so lucky on the tour so far with spain and ireland and these gigs the people have sung so loud and i'm a little bit nervous but really excited to see how the new songs from circle of stone are received absolutely now very recently our website published an article talking about the various subgenres in the metal industry now and just yeah. how many there are do you think that there's too many subgenres now what do you think of the state of the metal industry at the moment i don't really think about it in those terms lindsay for me and i think there's quite a few other people of my generation we just prefer to go metal rock heavy rock and those big things so you know mathcore makes me feel a little bit itchy because i was <laughs> terrible yeah terrible it's good but there is a mathcore you know it's high, yeah. all of these things i I listen to different things, a lot of different things. My partner listens to a lot of different music and I go, oh, oh, listen to this. Oh, what's that? that's a nice song. 
oh, that's a nice lyric. That's a nice thing. Something about that. But I, I don't, I think it's good sometimes to have a label, but I think it's destructive as well. So while you're labeling yourself, that's fine. You've got to give people a clue because yeah. if, if I don't have a label and someone is looking for swing and they find Blaze Bailey, then they're not going to find a swing album and that's not fair. But if yeah. somebody's looking for metal and they find Blaze Bailey, yeah, okay. That that's a different thing. But I don't see a massive difference between me, Saxon, Maiden, Judas Priest. There's not a mm -hmm. massive difference there. But also I don't think there's if you start being a bit more open, you can find the real meat, pain, and emotional connection with My Chemical Romance and Bowling for Soup and Wheatus and other bands. There's always something. If you, if you can get it when you're in the right mood, I look at me years ago being so prejudiced against things that weren't metal. It had yeah. to be metal. But now I'm like, it has to be musical. It has to have some feeling and some truth. So I think sometimes all the little things is, well, your band name should be enough really. And yeah. let your fans have a little bit of a discovery. I started so long ago that people would go and see you because just because you were a new band. Yeah. Oh, new band. Oh, let's see what they're like. See if they got any. And you wouldn't have to have an album or anything. And you could play to 100 people sometimes, build up that following. Uh, and that's it. And you'd hope that maybe you'd get signed up. Little did we know at the time that getting signed up is also signing away a lot of freedom yeah. as well being signed up is also okay you you're becoming limited and for what was then i think a slave system for many artists that peter grant of led zeppelin that he started to break down and those managers started to slowly manage, break to pick away at that and break that down for for some artists as to now where if you get yourself together you can get on spotify with being yourself you can get on itunes you can get you've got a tv channel with youtube you can you know there's something extra there that was never there before there are different ways to get to your audience but it's not easier, it's different than it was back then. And I think the important thing, it, you can think of your genre and you can think of your label, but for me and for my team and the band and the way that we work, you know what's most important is the music yeah. and the song. And does that mean anything? And why? This is the most horrible question that you should ask yourself if you're in a band. Why should anybody spend their time 
listening to you. What's good about you? And people are reluctant to ask that. They go, yeah. well, because I can play guitar, I'm sorry, but thousands of people can play guitar to a great standard. Yeah. So what else is there then? Well, you have to say, it's not just, you can be a virtuoso. What really, really moves people is great songs. And if you can write great songs that are relatable in any style whatsoever, a great song will work and will mean something. So that label will gradually disappear. Yeah. And your band name, your name will become your genre defining term just as metallica well it's like metallica 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 Ma yeah. maiden it's like maiden it's a bit like maiden it's kind of maiden but this it's motorhead but it's motorhead with sex pistols or it's motorhead with van halen or it's a, that, that that's yeah how it will be instead of these little labels but in the end i think it all has to work because of the music and if you are thinking about oh well if we play in this genre we might be successful i really think you should be saying to yourself if we find a way for all the guys in the band to compromise their musical ideas and bring things with them maybe we'll have a song that sounds unique because it sounds like the personality of all these people in the band and i think yeah. that's what we have in wolfsbane we have, when the four of us are together something happens we have a different sound and with what i do with when we're writing our songs because we we have these values that are it must be interesting you it must keep your attention you have to hold on to people, direct your listener into the places that you want them to go so that then by the third time, ah, now I've seen the core, now I see everything else. Ah, that guitar counters this guitar. Ah, yeah. this guitar holds a chord longer than you would imagine it's possibly, but it's there because this happens. Yeah. So I think it, it's, writing things that are unique to you something that comes from you from your personality that's how i feel i don't know if i'm right i don't know uh you know it's a debate but that's how i feel and that's what i tried to do with my music oh and then last cheeky question what's your favorite iron maiden album um you know the one that when I was learning all the songs, the one that I would never turn off when it got past the songs I was learning was Seventh Son. Yeah. So that for some reason, I have to say that, though I love Number of the Beast and Peace of Mind uh, and all of that, uh, but I, I have to say, yeah, it's, it's Seventh Son. Seventh Son, fantastic. Well, all the best for your release day tomorrow. Thanks, Lindsay. Very, very excited. Thanks for having me on your show. Not a problem at all. You take care. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lindsay. Cheers, Cheers. mate.